Can we do this with the lights off? By the way, you have fantastic water. It's chilled. It's that New York City water. New York City water is some of the best water in the, in the world. It's from tap water and it's in your Brita. Also, they would hate that we say water and not water. I don't care. It has three O's and a D. I couldn't care less. Welcome to episode eight of Get Blitz Podcast. We talk about beer. We talk about some sports. Well, Corey mainly talks about some brewskis. You know, he changes up his tastes as he looks disgustingly at his new beer. By the way, when I was getting the water in your fridge, I def because we were at Corey's studios right now, okay, his apartment up near New York. Um, I noticed that you have a lot in your fridge, and since, well, I guess I'm a bachelor still. Your fridge is mainly just beer. I have other things other than beer. But mainly yes, just beer, but it takes up probably a good 40% of your fridge. The top shelf is basically, I mean, my parents visited last week, and when they opened the fridge, they were like, wow, you sure do got a lot of beer in here. <laughs> and I was like, you know, whatever. That's your that's your beverage of choice. But speaking of beer, what are you drinking today? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. You said I had that face. I don't know. You did. Um Tonight I'm drinking Captain Lawrence Frost Monster Imperial Stout. It's a really heavy, another name, really heavy, a long name. another heavy winter beer. What they have on their website is it says it's perfect for hibernation season, which we're in the middle of right now. Especially if you're from Boston or anything up neath. Oh man! So there's a nice roasted malt or a barley taste with it. It's very heavy. I mean, if I poured it out of the bottle. It would be jet black, I'm sure. That's which, what I saw. Which is a, it's a heavy, almost chocolatey. It's not really chocolatey. There's a hint of chocolate, but not, not like sweet baby Jesus. I smell or, it from here. So a couple stories that were sent to us this week. Eric, how do you feel about a new hotel in Japan being run by robots? That's awesome, but I will never be there. You could spend a couple of days in Japan. Why not? It's, it's so in Japan, they're building a new hotel are you, are you outside for me to go outside. Absolutely not outside of a theme park in Japan. The uh, they're going to have three actroids, which means that they have human likeness. Thumbs. Human likeness. The receptionist will be able to have intelligent conversation with guests. Probably better than majority of people out there. Anyway. Is this is this is this a good thing though? Like, is this where where we should be going with technology? Well, it's interesting, but guess what? They're taking away from the economy. I'm not a fan of that. That could be real people in there, but these robots will probably do a better job. So another story that came up today: uh, Jackie Robinson West, the Little League team from Chicago. They they represented the Midwest region in uh, the 2014 Little League World Series. Well, today they had to vacate all of their Little League World Series wins because the coaches used falsified boundary maps to set up a super team. This just, to me, it just goes along the lines of everyone in sports is cheating. I am 12. It's like Danny Amante all over again. He was like 48, and they said he was like, what, 13. (laughs) This was, I mean, this was, I mean, it's a really, it's a shame for the kids. Because you know everyone's gonna remember them as being the team that cheated, while really it was it was the uh, the coaches and and the managers of the team that that set this all up to build up a super they were, team. They were well aware, dudes. I get it. I was almost in the Little League World Series. I almost went to Williamsport. All true story with the Maple Shade Little League team. It's tough, but it's difficult. But you face a lot of good teams. But yeah, you do what you can to win. Except cheating, you don't do that. Everyone in sports is cheating, Eric. We've covered this it's all in the script for like the past three weeks, if not longer. 
So moving on to more of baseball news. You guys know we like the guys and girls know we like to talk a little bit about baseball. We are talking about something that came up today on TV, and that was the maybe the role of closers being removed from baseball. Is it a big deal? It's 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 a, it's an interesting question. Are these roles overrated? Should pitchers even have roles? I mean, cinnamon rolls, you know, what kind of Kaiser rolls? I mean, should this be a thing in baseball? Should there be the long reliever? If if you have one guy that can only – why why do you take these pitchers out after one inning, after they just struck out the side, you know, all that kind of stuff? What is your what is your take on this? Should there be closures in baseball? Should there be necessarily just rolls in general? Or should they just know how to freaking pitch? I understand why there is roles. I mean, closers, they want to get that big payday, right? Like, if, if a guy is, you know, 40 for 40 or 50 for 50 on a season getting getting saves, he's going to get a bigger payday when he becomes a free agent. So, of course, there's roles. Of course, the guy's going to be like, hey, I'm the closer. You can give it to me every, every time out. Maybe I'll blow two or three a year, but, like, you can count on me. To me, it doesn't matter. Like, you go with whoever has has the best opportunity to get guys out. If you know how to pitch, you know how to pitch. Let's see. If you have someone, if you have your setup man, which is another joke of a term because anyone could be a setup man. If you have your setup man come in in the eighth, strikes out the side, and he's supposed to do really well against the other guys, especially if he's great against righties or lefties or whatever he throws or however he throws underhand, I don't care. If he can get them out, what is the point of removing them if it's going to guarantee you a win? Why burn another arm in case, and that happens a lot. You'll burn your closer. You'll burn your ninth, your eighth inning guy or whatever out at the beginning of the week because you're like, oh, I guess I overthrew him by accident. Well, if you stop taking him out after one inning, ugh. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, there's just – if a guy comes in and he gets, you know, three guys out – three up, three down in the eighth inning, there's really no need for, for you to, like, bring in another guy. Like, if a guy's pitching well and he's a lefty going up against a lefty, great. But if you're closer, you know, if you're closer as a right-handed pitcher and Bryce Harper's coming up in the bottom of the ninth, you should really stick with the lefty, I think, in that situation. I, I do, exactly. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully baseball, you know, eventually moves to this. I don't think it's going to happen Never. anytime in the near future. No, because it involves money. But then you have a crybaby like Jonathan Papelbon, who, you know, three out of four days, yeah, it's a lot of work or whatever. I don't You pitch four innings. It's not a lot of work. I, I played baseball for most of my life. You're fine. You're making $14 million. $14 million dollars to throw what 60 70 innings a year when you have starting pitchers you're going 200 250 innings suck it up sally so speaking of sally what is the big news from this week now this is something that we've been covering this is what baseball is covering sports biggest free agent that's left who did what happened Corey? something we've been looking forward to for i guess the past month i guess after right? scherzer got off once the board. scherzer got his got signed Big game, James Shields signs with the San Diego Padres. Now, this to me was huge because the Padres were rumored to be interested in a guy like Cole Hamels. Heavily rumored. Heavily rumored to be interested in a guy like Cole Hamels. Um, They were interested in, you know, other free agent pitchers. But it it was kind of, you know, do you give up big-time prospects and take on a huge contract for, for Cole Hamels, or do you just go out there and sign James Shields to... Like a four or five year deal, and that that option is where they actually went. They went with Shields for four years, seventy five million. Uh, there might be an option for a fifth year. I think it's more or less a club option, but um, I he's severely overpaid. He is not an ace pitcher to me. No, yes, we disagree. Absolutely on this. not. He listen. Okay, I he, originally they were saying he could go for one hundred and ten million or some malarkey like that. 
totally not worth it. You know, I've got his I've got his stats here. You know, he's a he's a decent pitcher, but he's not something. He's not an ace. He's a very he's not good an ace pitcher. For his team. He's a glorified a glorified a glorified Joe Blanton. Who, who wow. throws wow. Joe oh, Blanton, like because that, he throws that a lot is, of he's big game because he so, throws a lot of innings. That is a, such an unfair comparison, Joe Blanton. Joe Blanton's basically a nobody. He, like he was lucky he was on. The, I get that. He was lucky he was on the rotations he was on when he was with the Phillies. James Shields, I I I view him as like a, a solid two. He's a solid two, a very good three. Okay, two ace three. That's how I see him. Sure, yeah. Okay, and, and when it, when he when he's that kind of a pitcher, when he's a solid two, he's worth fifteen million a year or. Whatever it is, I think he should have gotten maybe ten to twelve million a year. So I just I should only three been, million more. Yeah, but he should only got maybe like forty five million, four years, forty five mil, something like that. He's way overpaid. He's not as good as people think. You're, you're mean, not going to get that with with a guy that has like his experience. The, a guy that like you know you can count a, on to go out there. He doesn't get a four career ERA. He doesn't get hurt. He goes out there and he throws two hundred innings every year. I mean, he does. You, you could say he could possibly get injured during this contract, and he is 33 years old, so he's he's on the wrong side of 30 for a long-term deal. But you're saying he has so much success; it's worth it. He only has 114 wins, but he's got 90 losses. He is coming off of two decent <sighs> seasons, and though. Losses, come on, hold on, wins hold on, hold on. And losses. Hold on. But looking at his overall stats, I mean, uh, he came up with the Devil Rays. He started out okay. Uh, he maybe had like one great, fantastic year with them. That was back in 08. He went 14 at 8. Once again, he's never really, he's never thrown under 200 innings except uh, 2006 when he was brought up from AAA. So that's one of the big things in. But like, you know, 12 and 8 with a, let's see, what ERA? Almost a 5 ERA, a 4 ERA. Yeah, he was in the AL, but it's it should still not be that high for an ace. But the last three years, he's had he's had a pretty solid ERA. Like if you're looking at ERA, like like with the with the okay. Rays and with with Kansas City, and then and then his playoffs. I mean, he's got that huge. Thought you hated playoffs. No, no, no. I'm, but I'm saying he's got that huge like moniker, Big Game James, where like he pretty much has choked in the playoffs because of that nickname. But like he's been he's been a good pitcher. He's been good, but and a good pitcher, a good pitcher is going to get you know fifteen is worth fifteen million a year in, okay. in this in this pitching market. So 2012, he went fifteen and ten, had a three seventy RA, thirteen and nine, fourteen and eight. Uh, last year was his, I probably I think one of his most successful seasons. Obviously, uh, pretty much the ace of the staff, you know, to that extent in regards to being with the Royals. You know, they went all the way. Unfortunately, that they lost, but um, I I don't know. I just I I. I think they would have been better off going with more of an ace, like a Cole Hamels. But I do see that this is more of an out, an easier, cheaper option for them. But will you know? Will it pay off? They do have a decent pitching staff, ish. You know, I don't. I don't think they're extremely great. Kashner's a little mad uh, to me. You really undervalue Andrew Kashner. He's he's. He's solid. He's a number one right now. He's he's their number one, I'd say. Which is depressing. <laughs> that's that's my whole point. But then you have a then you have a solid young arm like a Tyson Ross. So they they have a lot of upside. And- Shields, Cashner, Ross, Ian Kennedy. There's your four. There's your four starters for this team. That's a pretty good rotation. It's better than the Phillies. It's a pretty good rotation. Everything's better than the Phillies. I mean, but, but I mean that that kind of gets into to me the biggest issue with with the Padres. I mean they. They have a solid rotation. Their outfield is fine, but their infield is is still pretty terrible. So they solidified the rotation. Their outfield is is pretty good. I mean, you know, they got Justin Upton, Will Myers, and Matt Kemp. None of those guys are really center fielders. Although they're going to throw out they're going to throw out uh, Will Myers in center field. They are. But 
to me, their biggest issue is their infield. If you look at their infield what right infield? now, their infield is uh, Yonder Alonso, Jed Jerko, Alexi Amarisa, and Will Middlebrooks. Those are those are their starting four infielders. Yeah, I'm not blown away, and they have Derek Norris catching. I almost would probably take the Phillies infield over that. Well, they have actually have no shortstop right now, though, so we'd be down a person. And we don't even know who's playing third base. We don't know if Ryan Howard's going to have one leg or two legs. Utley's better than all of those guys. I, I do agree. Most certainly do agree. I actually would take Middlebrooks on the Phillies. But anyway, so the Fangrass article, James Shields Can't Solve the Biggest Padres Problem by Mike Petriello. And he goes through um, the, the Padres' infield war, which projected for this year, and I know how you feel about projections. There's actually – I know how you feel about projections – but their projected war is around five wins. Now, what Mike does is he goes back and looks at you know teams that have won or playoff teams that have a five-win infield war, and there's only there's only really two. One of them being the 2012 Baltimore Orioles, who were one of the luckiest teams in the history of baseball. It is very hard for a team with five wins in their five a five-war infield to win 80 games. A 15 war infield can't even really win 88 games. So, as much as we're all, we all love what AJ Preller has done with the San Diego which Padres, which has been significant, which is, I mean, he's been a rock star, as they say. Their infield is still lacking, and that that bothers me. I mean, you, I, I can't even find one name of power. Um, I know they try to put some really big thoughts into like Yonder Alonso, but the dude gets hurt every single year. Uh, his best year was, let's see, going back to uh, 2012 before he really started to get the injury bug, and they put a lot of energy into him. Uh, he had nine home runs and 62 RBIs. Since then, he's basically hit maybe a home run, a couple home runs a year, and under 50 RBIs since. I, there is no power. There's no run driving on the team. Now you're going to go and say, all right, well, that's the outfield. Okay, Great, that's awesome. But you're still hoping that Will Myers bounces back from injury. You're still hoping that Kemp doesn't get injured again. And Justin Upton, who broke his hand last year. You're really hoping for a lot of things. And supposedly this team did make a run for Pablo Sandoval. Of course they did. When, when, he, was, when he was on the market. And, and actually, I, I've heard that they offered him more money than the, than the Red Sox did. But he ultimately chose Boston. Maybe they could be a team that goes out and signs Yuan Mankata. I mean, I mean that he, this 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 kid. He's nineteen. This kid from Cuba. I mean, he's gonna. If the Padres be very costly. If AJ Proler does something like that, now that that would just be the the capper to the to the postseason, right? Like it'd be interesting. But whatever team gets him is going to be. I mean, they're all saying, well, it's Cuba. It's not necessarily the best competition. But well, a lot of the best Cuban players come over here. Obviously, like you look at your, you get Yasiel Puig, who's a who's a game changer, and he came over when he was young. I'm gonna say right now, AJ Proler makes that move. I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope. I hope my, the, the Phillies were in talks with him. The Phillies. I were mean, in talks right now, with him. every team is kind of in talks with him. Okay, but well, um, okay. but uh, to me, the Padres for what they're doing, it kind of makes the most sense. I know you have the Yankees, you have Red Sox, you have teams that can go out there and spend money. But the Padres have no no infield. We've we've discussed they have zero infield. If the guy, if the kid can play short. Even if he, you know, starts out in Double A AA or Triple A, or even plays there the entire season and comes up next year, I mean, they won't be the exact same team, but they'll be improved because they have Mankata at short. And it is known that he will probably sign by mid next week. They're saying, uh, so it'd be interesting to see where the hell he goes because he's going to be a game changer. Yeah, he's only nineteen. 
He's going to be very expensive, but this they're saying this kid's the next Puig. This kid's the next big Cuban player to come to America and totally rake the league. Do you have a prediction on where you think he's going to end up? He's going to be on a baseball team. Way to go out on a limb there. Finally this week, I just wanted to pay tribute to one of the one of the biggest innovators in the history of, of sports, really. I mean, the history of football, the history of the NFL. Talk about Mr. NFL Films? I am talking about Big Ed Sable, who unfortunately passed away on Tuesday at age 98. If you don't know Ed Sable, you should, if you're uh, listening yeah. to this podcast. In general. He... Um, He's, he created Blair Motion Pictures in 1962. He was he was a raincoat salesman in Philadelphia. Bef- Turned that around well. Before he got a uh, he got he got a camera for his wed- a wedding gift as was a camera, and he started shooting uh, his son Steve's uh, high school pee wee whatever football games. He's a Jersey guy. And then in 1962, created Blair Motion Pictures. Which then became NFL Films. They shot the first, uh, their first NFL championship game in 1962, which was Giants versus Packers at Yankee Stadium. He was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2011, and you know it, he like what what NFL Films has done with you know the sports documentary, miking oh. miking players up, miking refs up. You know the the music going with the tight spiral 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 football that that was his vision along with Steve with Steve Sable's vision Steve who Sable. who passed away in 2012 September of 2012. So Eric, as a tribute to Big Ed Sable, what is your favorite NFL films piece? Do you have one? I do. I mean, I haven't watched them like a ton, but you know, it's just something fun to just tune into every once in a while. Like you said, mic'd up and all that kind of stuff. But I'm always a fan of the bloopers, and you know, they have their like top ten folly segments and everything like that. And, you know, the just the funny moments. They play the music. They, you know, it, it's just the bloopers of the NFL. The people slipping and all that tackling of the referees. And I don't know. It's just it, that's just like something fun. I, I always love the bloopers, stuff like that. You you would love follies. For me, I mean, I have a bit of a background with NFL films. I was an intern there from 2009, uh, from spring of 2009 to the fall of 2009. So I did a little six-month internship while I was in college. So I kind of was exposed to, like, all of the different things that they do there and everything everything like that. So I, some of my favorites are definitely uh, America's Game, which, which is a yearly – I mean, now they do it every year – um, it's a documentary where they, you know, they interview three three players from the Super Bowl winning team, and they like pretty much just go through the entire season every week. They talk about it's an it's an hour long documentary about the entire season they had, you know, the game through the through pretty much through the eyes of these three guys. Recently, they've done a football life, which is uh, they pretty much show. One person, like their entire, it's basically a documentary in their entire life. So I'll do like Walter Payton. They did the they did the Eagles, like that Eagles defense with Reggie. Oh, it was Jerome Brown and Reggie White. Like that was okay. That was a really good one. They'll you know they'll do like Kurt Warner. It's 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 all just like focused on one one person. That's a really good series too. I mean NFL Films has a lot of you know just like week, weekly inside the NFL. You know sound effects, all just like. A couple wires a game that they have of just like guys, and it's really a great way to get inside 
inside football and and see kind of like behind the scenes stuff. Well, it's just like any, all of these sports shows. Like you have the MLB, NFL, uh, NBA, all that kind of stuff. NHL Network, all that kind of stuff. You you see, it's just a great outlet because you you see this. It's not just a game. Like you see everything behind. It goes more into it, and you, you can get updated on everything so quickly. So it's a definitely a great uh, you know founding. And that was yeah, that was all started pretty much by the Sables, yep. Steve and Ed, who you know unfortunately are both now gone. Yep. So uh, let's give a moment of silence before we sign out. All right, so that'll wrap up show number eight for Get Blitzed. This week I had Frost Monster Imperial Stout from Captain Lawrence. It's actually grown on me, Eric, from from the beginning of the show. Okay, good because you gave it a nasty little face. You're like, Ugh. Give us a follow on Twitter. It's at BlitzPCast. And then you can follow each of us individually. I'm Corey Smith. C-O-R-E-Y zero Smith. Eric? I am at EricRossi25. You can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all, all of those things. At the guy with the eye on If Instagram. you see any any sport, any sport funny stories, you know, sports stories, technology. Beer stuff, anything. TV. Yo, we didn't even talk about Walking Dead came back. Better, better Call Saul. Like... Better Call Saul came on this week. Like, it was an amazing first two episodes. I highly recommend Better Call Saul. And first off, you have to watch Breaking Bad. So whenever you get a chance, watch Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, the spinoff from Breaking Bad. So that's it for our show. We'll be back next week. There'll be a preview of baseball coming up soon. We have we have a bunch of projection, projections out. Me and Eric are going to talk about, you know, Zips and... Dakota and all these other projection systems that have mainly Corey is, but that's great because spring training is coming up right now. By the time we actually broadcast next week, it's pretty much going to be pitchers and catchers. Pitchers and catchers do start reporting on Thursday. They do. So the day we record, or no, the day this comes out, hopefully, is the day that pitchers and catchers will come play. So we've got a lot going on. And that's it. See you guys next week. Bye.